Uh, we like to talk about friends tonight. What a friend we have in Jesus. As the title of the song says, I brought a message similar to this some time ago here. This is a little different approach here, a different message. But in Luke 7, verse 30, But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another, and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he hath the devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of all her children. Now this does not mean that Jesus was a drunk. Don't try to read that. I'm sure you won't, but there are those liberals who try to read that in there. And uh, he talks about drinking wine. He's not talking about drinking something to make you drunk. Uh, wine in the Bible, any time the Bible speaks of wine that is alcoholic, it always speaks against it in the Bible. When the Bible seems to imply that wine is all right, then it is uh, non-alcoholic, and we need to keep that in mind. Okay, let us pray. Our Father, as we bow before you, I do thank you for the Word of God and for this opportunity that we have to preach your Word. Now, Lord, I am nothing more than an instrument in your hands, and I do want to be that, and I pray you would use me for your glory. Lord, speak to my own heart and the hearts of each one that's gathered here tonight. It may be a profitable time for us. May we leave, your, leave tonight, Lord, knowing that we've met with you and that we've been helped and strengthened by the truth of God. Heavenly Father, I pray you minister the need of every heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. B.R. Lakin, I believe it was, said, If you go through life and you make a few good friends, you have done well. Sometimes we think of people as our friends, and when it comes down to it, they're not real friends. Uh, you've heard the expression, fair-weather friends. <laughs> uh, you know, you have those kind. Whenever things going well, uh, they're standing with you. But when things are against you, sometimes you can't find them. And that's what happened to the prodigal, wasn't it? He thought he had friends, but when his money ran out, he found out he didn't have any friends in the far country. And that's the way it is many times. But true friends and real friends are such a blessing. And to make, a, uh, make friendships and to develop friendships is a wonderful thing. And certainly we as the people of God, we ought to be friends. Uh, you know, I think sometimes husbands and wives have problems and they can't get along because they're not friends. You should never marry someone you... You don't, you, you don't consider your friend. And uh, your wife or husband ought to be the best friend that you have. And uh, certainly, the greatest friend that one could ever have is Jesus. And I'm glad the Lord uses that expression. He talks about that Abraham was the friend of God. And that we can have a 
uh, a fellowship and a relationship with Christ that is as close as a close friend. Now that's what God wants. He wants to be that real to us. Someone you can confide in. Someone that you can tell your problems to. Someone if you have a need you can call on them and they'll be there. Someone you can count on. And uh, real friends. Brother Tom Farrell was telling on his tape he went to the mission field for a month and he was talking about Ken Collier who is the director of the wilds there. And uh, he said they were kind enough to keep our children for a month. Now that's a friend. That's a friend. To keep someone else's children, especially for small children, for not just a few days, but a month. You find out how, how good a friend you have then. And, uh, but friendships are wonderful. He also told about people that he'd gone to school with and were dear friends. But when he yielded his life to the Lord and gave his heart to God and decided to go to Bible college and uh, those friendships, he found out that they were not as close as he thought they were. And he talked about various ones and the years that had passed since he'd even seen them. And those friendships were severed. And sometimes when we come to know Christ and we cast our lot with the Lord and we decide we're going to serve God, we're going to go the way of the Lord and the way of the Bible. Sometimes uh, those that we considered our friends will separate from us. And in reality, they were not true friends. You find Jesus referring to Judas Iscariot there as a friend, a friend that betrayed him and forsook him. And uh, that's a heartbreaking thing when that happens among friends. Well, the greatest friend is Jesus, Proverbs 1824 said, He that hath friends must show himself friendly. And that's mighty good advice. Uh, if you're friendly, you can develop friendships. Some people, they're unfriendly, and they wonder why they don't have friends. Nobody wants to be friends with someone that's a snob, with someone that is unfriendly. We ought to be friendly. And uh, then he says in the last part of that verse, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Thank God for that. When family forsakes you, when other friends forsake you, I want to say to Jesus Christ that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He is, I like the song that says he loves me when I'm good and he loves me when I'm bad. And he's my friend all the way through. That's Jesus. Thank God he wants to be our friend tonight. I'm glad that I have a friend in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And we can take them to him. And he doesn't turn away from us and say, well, I thought you was my friend. You did that, I'm through with you. Get away from me. I don't want to be your friend anymore. God didn't like that, is he? You know, I thought people were my friends. I've had people, you know, I love you, preacher, and I... You know, I'm with you and I support you and you can't find them tonight. Uh, were they my friends? Well, maybe, maybe not. They certainly weren't a friend like Jesus. Jesus never done that to me. And he'll never fail you. He'll never fail you. We have a wonderful friend in Jesus. Now, first of all, the Bible teaches he's a friend of sinners. And that's what he says here. They're condemning him. 
And uh, they say why he's uh, come eating and drinking and a gluttonous man and a wine bibber. But notice he says in verse 34, the last part of it, a friend of publicans and sinners. Thank God forevermore. They were being critical of him. But aren't you glad that he was a friend to you before you got saved? Jesus Christ was willing to forgive me. He came to me. I like the song that says, when I could not come to him, he came to me. And thank God that's the way it is, isn't it? He came to me. And he came where I was at. He came, he came, he came, the Bible said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was accused of being a friend of publicans and sinners. And I don't care how far in sin a person may have gone, Jesus Christ will reach out to them. And we ought to do that. And we ought to love sinners. We ought to love their sin. We ought to hate their sin. But we ought to love their soul and, and reach out to try to win them to Christ. They need the Lord. And Jesus wants to be a friend. And uh, I, hope, I hope I can do that. I hope that I can, uh, when I go out on visitation, that, that lost people can sense that I care for them and that I reach out to them in love and concern. That's what a friend does. And that's what Jesus does. In Matthew 9, 13, he said, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I like that too. And now what if he had said, I came not to call the sinners but the righteous to repentance? Then uh, I'd have been left out. But thank God he came to call sinners. In fact, you can't even get saved until you, until you uh, uh, reach that, uh, that state and understand that, that we're, that we're all sinners. We must take our place as a sinner in order to be saved. But I'm glad that he is a friend to sinners. He said, I came to call the sinners to repentance. They criticize him. He eats with sinners. He goes into the house of tax collectors. He goes into the houses of sinners and he sits down with them and eats with them. He went to the well of Jacob's well to an adulterous woman. Oh, what kind of man is this that have anything to do with such a person like this? That would even talk to her. Oh, the religious crowd of that day, they were so good that they thought they were so good that uh, they wouldn't have anything to do with sinners. Now, not that we're to partake of the sins, but we're to reach out to them as Jesus did. He was a friend of sinners. Not only that, but I'm glad he's a friend of the suffering. Thank God for that. Some of you has been on the bed of affliction. And when you're down there, I'm glad that you have a friend in Jesus that's there with you. I don't know what I'm going to have to face in the way of disease or sickness or what other trial that I may have to go through, but I have the promise of God that he's my friend and he's going to be with me. He's not going to, he's not going to turn his back and run. He's not going to forsake me when I'm down, when I have nothing to offer him as far as, as, far as service. There may come a time when, when I can no longer preach. 
I can no longer go. But Jesus said, I'll not turn I'll turn not turn my back on you. I'll be there. Now that's a friend, isn't it? A friend is someone when you're down, when when you can't give nothing back to them in return, that they still minister to your need. That's a friend. When people minister expecting nothing in return, when people give not expecting anything. In fact, the Lord gave the story, said when you have a feast, don't, don't call those that can return the favor. Go out and get some people that can't give you nothing back in return and said, I'll bless you at the judgment there. I'll reward you. Now, do we do that? When we're at Christmas time, the Bible said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think that has a twofold meaning. I think the blessing that comes uh, at the time, the blessing of giving, and, uh, uh, but also it is more blessed because if I give to receive, if I give to you, knowing that you're going to give to me, then I have my reward on it. But as I give to someone that cannot return the favor, then the Lord's going to reward me. That's a greater blessing, isn't it? It's an eternal blessing. He's a friend of the suffering. Matthew 9, 35 and 36, the Bible said, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Notice he went about all the cities and villages he was a traveling preacher. He didn't sit at headquarters in Jerusalem and say, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. Come to me, did he? He went to them. And that's what he still does. He went, he went to the cities. He went to the villages. He went where they were at. That's why, that's why I promote visitation. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be doing that. We build a church on a hill and say, okay, here we are. We put the lights on it even at night. Here's the church. Come. No, there's more to it than that. There's more to it. Jesus went out there. He went out to the sinner. He went out to the suffering. He healed their diseases. He was moved with compassion. Touched the heart of God when he saw the lepers come in with fingers missing, with hands missing, with part of their face missing. I'll tell you, when Jesus Christ healed, you could see it. Not these modern-day healers that, you know, that uh, no evidence to support their claims. But I'll tell you, Jesus Christ had power to heal. He had power to raise the dead. He could heal all these diseases and all this suffering. And he was moved. It touched him. It touched his heart. And it still touches him. Do we think that God does not care when we're laying there suffering on the hospital bed? Yes, Jesus cares. As the song says, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. 
And I'm glad when I go to the hospitals, I can go there and let them know that I represent Jesus Christ and extend, extend comfort to them and let them know that Jesus cares about your condition. He cares that you're sick. He's touched by it. And that's why he went to a cross, is to one day put an end to all that, is to one day rid, rid mankind of that forever. Do you think God gets any pleasure, any joy out of all the torment and all the heartache that sin has brought? The Lord doesn't get any joy out of that. He's a friend of the suffering, though. I've been sick sometimes. I, you know, I just thank God for my health. Overall, I think of these years of preaching, and there have been very few times that I have had to miss a service because I was sick. Now, that's God. I give Him the glory, and I praise Him that God's been good to me. But the times that I've been down, He's been there with me. He's been my friend. He hasn't forsaken me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, scripture I used this morning, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come bold into the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm glad the Lord's real tonight and he is touched. I think the Lord weeps as there was weeping this morning. I kind of think Jesus wept with us. What do you think? I'm glad I have a Lord like that. I, I don't have a, a God that is so high and that, that he's not concerned about the little things, that he can't, he can't be moved and touched. He, he has to, you say, oh, there's no scripture that says God ever cried. Oh, yes, there is. When Jesus, before he went to the cross, he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it, the Bible said. He wept over it. The Bible teaches that God weeps and God laughs and God is real tonight. And he's a friend of the suffering. Jesus Christ is a friend all the way through. He's a friend. He's there. Then, Jesus is a friend of the aged, of the senior citizens, as we call them. Won't be long, I'm going to be a senior citizen. I told you about stopping at Rose this year a couple months ago, and lady said we're having a uh, we have a discount I can't remember what it was for for senior citizens I said how old do you have to be she said 62 I said well I'm not quite there yet uh, I thought maybe she was talking about 50 she really bothered you know it really got to me when she said 62 uh, <laughs> but it won't be long I'm heading that direction <laughs> moving moving on pretty good but I'm glad the Lord, you know, as we face, as we face senior citizenhood or whatever you want to call it, as, as we face those years, those golden years, they call it, 
and uh, there's trials to face and uh, folks have told me about it and I'm beginning to experience some of it one fellow wrote what doesn't hurt doesn't work so <laughs> you have pains uh, places you didn't even know you had and uh, but I'm glad Jesus Christ is a friend. You know, I look around tonight and I see these widows have had to say goodbye to her husband and live alone. Now, that must be very difficult. I can imagine what that would be, the, the quietness and, uh, and all that that brings, you know, the, the loneliness that might come. But you know, Jesus is with you. Sandy is talking this week. She had taken her grandmother home and stopped by my dad's and stepmother, spent a little time with them. And, and you know what a blessing it is to, to people. I, I just have a place in my heart for older people. I just always have. I don't know, God has just given me a special love for senior citizens. And, uh, but you know, people that just to come around, just to be there, and sometimes we get so busy. I, I hardly ever get to go to my dad's when I see him. Mostly it's when he's down here. And, uh, uh, but you know, we probably ought to make more effort to go. We really probably ought to. To minister to the, the people there and to be a friend to them, Really? to be a friend. Jesus says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. When my mother went home to glory and my dad was left. You know why? You know what most of my grief was for was for him. I, because he was so dependent upon my mother and I thought for him to be left behind, it, it seems to be harder for a man than it is for a woman to adjust. But you know, God worked that situation out. My grief was in vain for that because the Lord ministered to that need and God took care of things, see. He always does. He said, I'll be a friend to you when you're alone and you're lonely and no one's around and everybody's busy and everybody has their thing to do. The Lord says, I'll be there. I've got time. He's a friend of the aged. In Psalm 71, 18, I want you to look at this psalm. Psalm 71, 18. Psalm 71, 18 says, Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Now he makes a request here. He said, when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, don't forsake me. Well, God won't forsake you. I'm glad of that. When you're old and gray-headed, he'll be with you. And then in Genesis 47, this scripture came to mind today as I was thinking about this message. In Genesis uh, 47, in verse 9, Jacob has gone down to Egypt there. He's realized Joseph is alive and, and uh, that there's food down there. And Joseph brings uh, 
Jacob before Pharaoh. And uh, Pharaoh asked him in verse 8, How old he is? And verse 9, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. I read that, and he said, I'm just 130, <laughs> and uh, they've been few. Now, boy, I tell you, and I thought if I was 130, I thought I'd, I'd have had a bunch of them on here. But that shows, that shows how, I think it shows us, no matter how long you live, it don't seem long. If you had asked Jerry's dad, lived to be 82, which is 12 years longer than God's promised anybody, really. 10 years, 12 years longer than normal life, according to the Psalms. And, and, uh, but if you would ask Tim, uh, does your life seem long? He would probably said, no, it don't seem, seem like it's went by quickly. It went by quickly. And here's a man, 130. And he said, my days have been few and they've been evil. I've had a lot of trouble. And he had. And that's what Job said uh, that... Uh, a uh, man that is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Few days and full of trouble. Thank God for a land where they can go be in that. A land where there is no trouble. I'm glad that as we face old age, that Jesus said, I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you. And I love that song, In a Land Where We'll Never Grow Old. Boy, I like that. I like it, I like it more all the time. I remember Brother Johnson, how he loved that song. I can see him sitting over there now and weeping as the choir sing that song. In a land where we'll never grow old. Well, that's where I'm, I'm headed. <laughs> Thank God for a land. And I like the song Sandy played, If I Knew of a Land. Huh. What a blessing. What a wonderful song, wonderful words. If I knew of a land and all that heaven implies and the Word of God teaches us, I'd sell all I had and move today. Well, we ought to be living for that land, really. Ought to be living. I think of my grandmother who lived to be in her 90s, my mother's mother, and uh, her whole life was lived for God. That's, that's really about all that mattered in her life. That's the way to live, isn't it? To live for the world to come. Then, finally, Jesus is a friend of the dying, and I thank God for that. He's a friend of the dying. The Psalms 23 said, Yea, though all through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I realize the primary meaning of that is, is talking about the, uh, the, the, the valleys and all that we face in this life. He's talking about the sheep going through the deep ravine and the danger that lurked there and all. But he said, uh, death that could come by a wild beast or whatever. And I'll not be afraid. Why? Because the shepherd's there. He goes before me. He's watching out for that that would harm me. 
and he's going to see me through. But I believe we can use it and apply it to death. And I like some things he says about it. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice what he said. He said, I'm going through it. <laughs> I'm going to come out on the other side. Now that's what happens in death. But he said there's a light there because you can't have a shadow without a light. <laughs> I like that. He's a friend of the dying. How good a friend is he? I like the story in Acts 7 where they stoned Stephen to death. You know what Jesus does? He said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of God. Now the Bible teaches when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down. And when Stephen dies, Jesus is standing up. You talk about a friend as they're throwing these stones on him. And the Lord says, Stephen, look up here. <laughs> and God opens up heaven and stands up to welcome Stephen home. Now, that's a friend, isn't it? You think Jesus is going to do any less for us? I don't think so. My granddad, Silver, when he died, he was, after my grandmother died, he didn't live but just a few months after her death, he was uh, staying with my aunt, who was here last Sunday. She's 80 years old now. And uh, he was sitting there in a rocking chair. He was reading his Bible, and she went in to check on him. He was sitting there with the Bible open in his lap. I thought of what a blessing to be reading about heaven and then the next moment you're in heaven. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I believe the Lord is there. Brother Broom, when he went to glory yesterday morning, don't you think Jesus said, welcome home? He's a friend of the dying. The Bible said in Revelation 21, 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from thine eye, their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's the land I'm going to live in. God said, I'm going to put an end to death. I'm going to put an end to sorrow and crying, and there will be nothing there that make you sad. Isaiah 35 said, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap us in the heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. This is our friend, Jesus, that I can trust my eternity to. And I believe with all my heart that if you're saved, that there's nothing about death to be afraid of. Bible says it's precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Someone said it's not death that I'm afraid of, it's the dying that I don't like. And that's true. It's the dying, it's the sickness, the pain, or whatever it may be that accompanies the passing. But the death itself is a release 
and a glorious experience, I believe, beyond any comprehension that we could imagine. Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Sometimes on the deathbed, people will talk about seeing angels. They'll talk about seeing heaven. They'll, they'll talk about heaven. Sometimes we think they're hallucinating. I was with a person I remember years ago, and uh, they were giving morphine to this individual. They had cancer real bad. And, and uh, but this, this, and sometimes they'd talk out of their head and things they said didn't make any sense. But this dear lady, she talked about the angels of God. She talked about the music of heaven. She talked about going to be with the Lord. All of this. Was it the drugs? <laughs> I don't think so. I think in those moments, I think God just pulled back the curtains and said, just take a peek. <laughs> just take a little peek here of what I've got for you. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to dread. I'm going to take you on. What a wonderful thing to know that we have a God like that. He said, I'm your friend. I stick closer than a brother. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. That means even when I die, Jesus is going to be right with me. He's our friend. Let's fire heads.